Welcome to Documentary First, an inside look at a first-time filmmaker's journey. I'm Jeff Kurtnacker, filling in for Josh Lindsay and Jason Rugg today. And with us today is our first-time filmmaker, Christian Taylor. Hello, Hello. there, Jeff Kurtnacker. Hello, Christian. How are you doing? I'm doing good. It's so great for you to be here. Thank you for filling in for the guys. Yeah, thanks to Josh and Jason for taking the day off. I could get a chance to hang out with you. I know, it's really nice. I miss you a lot. So I've been thinking about uh, really, really wanting you on all of these Q&As because you enjoy it as much as I do. And, you know, I had Bill uh, at the last film festival and I love having him there, but he's so quiet and shy. I really have to like force him to talk. Oh my gosh, yes. He's not one-on-one, but in a big group, he's very quiet and introverted. And I try to get people to ask him questions about the edit, but most people don't know about editing. So they're like, you know, anyway. He must be once you get to know him. He's Because every time I've talked to him, he's been, he hasn't really clammed up. He's been very kind and gracious. So yeah, he's uh, good. He's good on um, -on one-on-one. He's really great. You'd never know. He was the first time I found out uh, he was an introvert was when we went to Normandy in 2019. I love telling the story because it's hilarious. So um, he and my mom um, ended up on the same flight out of Nashville. And so they rode on the flight together. I think I got their seats together. And when they got off the plane, they were like standing right next to each other. And my mom's like, so I think I found my soulmate here on this plane. Phil and I seem to have a lot in common, joking, of course. And uh, turns out I was like, well, what do you mean? She's like, you know. I'm introverted. I don't like talking and I stand around and just giggle at whatever you're doing. And so, you know, it's a seventh love, of course, but both of them, the whole time we're in Normandy, we're just standing back giggling as I would go and talk to everybody and stuff like that. So I always thought that Bill was an extrovert until that time. Cause I thought, you know, he's all going with me when I'm yeah, like, that's amazing. Yeah. Uh, you don't look like you're at home. You look no, like I am not at home. I am actually in Atlanta, Georgia. Right now, I'm in the house of Virginie Durr, my new Normandy native friend wow. who has sort of changed my life since she's come into the picture. Uh, now she's even hosting me and she's uh, become like family. So I'm so grateful to her. Uh, we may even try to have her on the podcast pretty soon because she's just such a dynamic person. She has been, she's like every other French person I know who's been celebrating uh, the liberation of her family for as long as she can remember. And she's so grateful to the American veterans. She even ended up marrying somebody in the Navy uh, that she met over there and uh, moved to the United States. And now she's working for Delta which is how we have our new exciting deal that we talked about and launched this week. That's awesome. Yeah. After listening to the last podcast, you were talking about um, Delta and the big news with them and iTunes and kind of everything that was been unfolding. And then I see you traveling and you're sort of all over the place lately being very busy. So yeah, give us a scoop. What's the latest Yeah, it's been an interesting three weeks, that's for sure. It started out with a lot of family stuff. So um, my family lives in McMinnville, Tennessee. And the last time I saw my family there, I was in Greenville, South Carolina on March 12th when I woke up. um, I was going to do a screening on the 13th um, for Michelin. And I woke up the morning of the 12th and I discovered from my sister that my mother had had a stroke in the middle of the night. It was so distressing, but there was really nothing I could do at the moment because I had this Michelin screening. So on the 12th, I did my meeting at Michelin with the Veterans Business Resource Group. And then I, on Saturday the 13th, I did the screening. And that was when COVID had just hit. And I was surprised that we even had the screening at all, but we did. And we were the last show at the Peace Center in Greenville, and it was completely shut down for, uh, I think they're still shut down. I don't know that they have any things going on in the Peace Center yet. Uh, But after that screening on the 13th, I got in a car and I drove to McMinnville, Tennessee from Greenville, South Carolina, and saw my mom for three hours before they uh, shut the nursing home down or the rehab home down. And I hadn't seen her for until I saw her last week. So I went there, I got to see my mom. She is doing better, still has a ways to go, but still doing better. And then my nephew graduated from high school. And as soon as that happened, we planned a wedding for his brother a week later in Paducah, Kentucky. So I was there for three days and had a wonderful wedding there. And then on June 5th, 
Delta flew me from Nashville to Greenville, South Carolina, where uh, I met the night of June 5th with Virginie Durr and uh, David Chapman, who is in our film, yeah. as well as Bill Ebel, our editor, and some people that are going to be working on The Brave Dutch. So I did a combination trip of post-production, or not post-production, but post-film launch and uh, pre-production for The Brave Dutch. So that was neat. And then we woke up on D-Day, June 6th in Greenville, South Carolina, and we did a 10 a.m. screening for the Reedy Reels Film Festival, where we won the Best Veteran Film Award. So that was super exciting there. And we had a big audience and everyone was very engaged and loved the film very much. We sold a lot of books and other merchandise. So that was cool. And yeah, then, the pictures looked really cool. Yeah, it was awesome. And then the people there are so friendly and it was just great. Um, there was a guy in the audience named Bill Price, who I actually uh, was an actor with and started, I met him like, you know, 15 years ago in Chicago. And he's like, wow. this should win an Oscar. It was just so great. Everybody was, so, you know, appreciative. He's, he's not wrong. No, thank you. I don't think he is either. <laughs> we should definitely win. Um, and then we got in the car and we drove almost four hours to Beaufort, South Carolina. And we got to Beaufort and it was a rainy, terribly rainy day, but they moved the garden party inside and we had another wonderful screening with a whole bunch of folks from Beaufort and really warmed a lot of hearts. Again, sold some great merchandise. We had made D-Day 77th anniversary commemorative t-shirts. Oh, so I was really cool. proud of those. On the back of the t-shirts, there is um, a photo. Danny's um, parents opened a bar in Normandy called the Bar of June 6th. And the Bar of June 6th is right off Utah Beach. And her cousin painted two murals in the bar. On one side of the room, it is the beach landings. And on the other side of the room, it's the parachute landings. And when I was there in 2015, I took pictures of those. And so we used those pictures to create the back of these t-shirts and then um, you know, made a little pocket design on the front. So I was really happy about those. Will Shadler on our team, our graphic design team did those for me. And they're in our shop, if anybody is still interested in purchasing those. Uh, we're still 70, still celebrating the 77th anniversary of landing in France. So it'd be a great thing to do to help the film and teach others about D-Day. So, uh, so that was great. And then um, we left Beaufort on the morning of the 7th and we drove to, um, where do we drive to? Atlanta, Georgia. And we moved, we drove to Atlanta, Georgia on the 7th changed our clothes and went to dinner with Delta executives. So Bob Summers is one of the head of global sales there. He and Chris Jones and Brian Munson. And we also had some executives from Michelin, uh, David Chapman and um, Bruce Cannon. These, uh, Jim Graham was a pilot, also works for Delta. He was there. And then we had David Chapman, David Patterson and me from the Girl Who Wore Freedom team. And we really were coming together to celebrate um, D-Day and the launch of our film on the Delta flights and to prepare for uh, on June 8th, uh, Tuesday, June 8th, we did a town hall meeting at Delta where we um, were kind of talked about the corporate partnerships between Michelin and Delta and how corporate partnerships can actually help veterans and help spread the word about veteran needs. So we talked about that and how uh, the film can also bring awareness to those things. So it was a great little conversation that will air on the Delta network. Um, so all the Delta employees will have the opportunity to watch that in August. They're going to launch it right before our film goes on board. And then, you know, so that was an amazing encounter. We got to meet the CEO of Delta at Bastion, and he's an incredible guy who, I mean, it was amazing that he took time to speak to us at all. He's just everywhere, you know, all the time. Sure, sure. So that was a blessing. And uh, they did give the opportunities in Delta the chance to watch the film on D-Day. So a lot of people that I met at Delta had seen that. And that was very oh, nice. Important. Yeah. Has Delta yeah. always been very involved in veteran affairs or is this something kind of new and exciting for them? No, no, they are super passionate about veterans. Um, and they they often provide flights for the honor flight uh, that veterans do all right, over the yeah. United States. They've fl flown veterans back to Normandy. 
They um, have a, in fact, I'm wearing their veterans business resource uh, t-shirt. They gave me a t-shirt yesterday because they are just so passionate and involved. It is a airline that began in the Delta. And so uh, usually there were a lot of veterans, um, you know, GIs that came from the rural South. And I just think there, the other thing, think about this, a lot of Air Force pilots or Army pilots, after they get out of the military, you can only serve, I think, 30 years. So after they get out, there's still time uh, that they can work a job. So often uh, pilots in the military will then go transition to the airlines. In fact, um, when I flew from Nashville to Greenville, the two pilots on my plane were both Air Force pilots. So there's a huge um, relationship between Delta and, you know, veterans and the military. They also provide flights for the modern day service members when they're flying to and from an, uh, an area um, That's awesome. for training or for film or stuff like that. But uh, it's one of the most patriotic um, veteran focused groups I've ever met for sure. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, when we you told me that, it was going to be shown on Delta flights. I thought that's what a cool opportunity to have the film there. Um, but then also knowing, um, listening to you talk about how passionate they are and, and just the history of, uh, of Delta, you know, it's not like they're just doing it because they picked a name out of a hat. Like they want your film because it aligns with things that they're passionate about and their values. I think that's awesome. And how cool that they got, they took time, especially the CEO, they took time out of his schedule to hang out with you guys and, I think that's great. So that film goes into um, into Delta Airlines, their onboard entertainment uh, in August, right? That's correct. And so um, do, do is there any sort of expectation about, do they keep track of those metrics or will you find out like how many people have viewed it or do you get to have any insight into that? No, I mean, I don't even know that they know. I don't know that it matters that they track how much it's been seen on board. Um, but it they it started, I think it'll start sometime in August. We don't have a date yet. And the contract term is for 10 months. So it'll go through D-Day next year. So we know at least that it'll be on Delta for 10 months. And the neat thing is the deal we negotiated um, is that it will make us a spotlight film. So, you know, when people go to look for films that will be highlighted and they'll be able to, to see it right away. So that's a great thing because it does mean there's a greater chance of people selecting our film. And another interesting fact that I have no idea why it dawned on me yesterday, but there is a story in our film by a veteran named Alan Hopper. And the story got in our film because I was posting about what I was doing on Facebook. And a lot of my high school friends have been following around. I went to a Christian boarding school in Long Island, New York, called the Stony Brook School. And one of those friends was Michael Strasberg. And Mike uh, saw all I was doing. and It made him curious about his own grandfather. And so he went to his mom and said, hey, I know uh, your dad fought in the war. I don't know what he did. Can you help me understand what my grandfather did in World War II? So they began looking for all of his things and they found letters and medals and just, you know, all sorts of like articles that had been written. He was with the 92nd Chemical Mortar Battalion. And at the same time, even before Michael came to me with, um, with that, I was looking for GIs who had written home about what they were experiencing in France. Mm. When Mike showed me the letters that his grandfather had written, one of them was about what he saw in France, courtesy of Uncle Sam, in particular about the children. And that is where our story began. And it really- I love that part of the film. Yeah, it's one of my very favorite parts. Andy, Andy Barnett is the voiceover for that, and he just does a phenomenal job. And Mike is a pilot. Well, yesterday morning, I'm staying, or day before yesterday, I was staying in a hotel at the airport, and my balcony looked out over the runways. And there's a big sign that says, Fly Delta Jets. And I was just standing out there looking at all of that, and I was like, you know, Mike Strasberg is a pilot. I wonder what he flies for. And I looked at his Facebook page and of course he's a pilot for Delta and he's been there wow. for 30 years. And I just 
I was just so blown away by that because I thought in August, Mike flies internationally. He flies the new um, Airbus 350, which is a brand new plane. He's one of the first pilots trained on this to fly this plane. And he will be flying internationally. And the movie that talks about his grandfather will be on his plane. That's just unbelievable. That's too cool. Very, very cool. The history of this film from the first time I met you has been sort of littered with these sort of stories of crazy interactions and remarkable chance meetings. So, I mean, it's probably become like second nature for you, but I know you never really get tired of seeing things come together like that. When you reflect on the history of this film and how all the times it almost did not get made and where we are now, like how does that feel as a first time filmmaker and you've brought this film across the finish line and when you look back, there's all these, it's not just a film, there's remarkable life experiences interwoven with the making of the film, but also just amazing human interactions that um, they sound, you know, some of them are very healing. Some of them are, you know, long lost connections. But when you reflect on the whole thing as that comes together, what does that feel like as the first film you make and there's so many meaningful interactions uh, sort of circling around it. How does that feel? I'm not going to lie. As you were saying that I'm getting chills. <laughs> I'm getting We've chills. talked a lot about it. So it's I like, know. It, it's just amazing. Even when we were in Normandy and you were shooting all these loose ends would get tied together. And it's just sort of like, but that's been the, the story of that film getting made. And it's been five years of stories like that. From the moment I met Danny and Flo, right. I was telling this story the other night. When I first met them in the first 10 minutes of our conversation, Jean-Marie Boucherie, he was the only one that really spoke to me in English. And I asked him how he knew English. And he said, well, I was in the oil business. And I lived in Biloxi, Mississippi. And I was like, I was born in Biloxi, Mississippi. I'm like, are you kidding me? I mean, of all the French people I meet in the first 10 minutes, right. I meet somebody that was lived in my hometown of Biloxi, Mississippi. It, it was, it's been like that ever since. I mean, when I met Virginie, she saw about our film on Facebook and then she friended me on LinkedIn. And then I was looking for a French person to honor and represent the French people in our Beaufort Film Festival screening. And she sent me a LinkedIn message and said, I'm coming to your screening and I'm from Normandy and I can't wait to see your film. And I was like, are you kidding me? I was just wow. looking for somebody who was French. And she goes, well, I've been following your film and I was there in 2018 for my 50th birthday party. And I, and she showed me her pictures from this 50th birthday party. And many of them were pictures in my film, oh, which wow. told me she was right next to the cameraman. That's amazing. It is amazing. I was like, are you kidding me? Like you were right with us. We were just watching a video that was on her Facebook page. They were, the news in France was filming the Utah beach ceremony and we're right there. I see Savannah. I see Jason Hoban. Our whole camera team is right there. And Virginie is interviewed in that, in that like news segment wow. where our team is. I mean, we were all in all the same places at the same time and never even knew it, never knew it. But now on the backside, it's, it's connected us in a way that is remarkable. I started thinking this morning, so many people come up to me after the film and say, I've always wanted to go to Normandy, but now I want to go even more. Hmm. And from the beginning, you know, I've said this, I wanted to create a girl who wore freedom tour where I have the girl who wore oh, freedom yeah. shop in St. Marie Dumont. And I can put together a tour where I take people back to see the places in our film and to learn about Danny's story. And I thought about it this morning and I thought, oh my goodness, now I have an airline that sponsored us. I have, you know, all of these relations in France, relationships in France with tour guides, museums, hotels, with, um, you know, restaurants. I could create a complete tour package from A to Z that after people see my film, I can be like, you want to go to Normandy? We got it all worked out for you. Yeah. And you can go and do this. And, and I thought about just so many different ways that we could expose more people to this story uh, and to what's happening in Normandy. And all of that is because every way 
along every part along the way, I have created this community of people that wants to continue telling the story. Hmm. Um, and so when I think about that community wide thing that the film has done, I'm incredibly humbled. I mean, Jeff, you understand this. We're both Christians. I was telling the story last night, like, and I've said it before on the podcast, I really do felt God commissioned me to do this. And I would say, okay, well, Lord, if this is what you want me to do, you got to open the next door. And if you don't, then I know that it wasn't, I didn't hear you right. And every way along the next door has been opened and I just can't take credit for it. How many people have asked me over the last three years, you know, or even the last year since the film has been done, this is your first film? How did you do that? And I was like, it's a miracle. Like, I really cannot take credit for it because it's not just me. And so many people contributed. You know, I look at our film and it's a combination of you, me, Bill Ebel, Jason Hoban on the creative side. But it goes beyond that to thousands of people that have donated money or helped us with oh, stories or shown screenings. And, and I didn't do all of that. All of those opportunities were just opened along the way. Yeah. And that's what gives me chills because I feel like I'm part of a bigger story that I could never have put together on my own. I mean, the journey was certainly not without its struggles, as you've talked about on this podcast many times, but I think it's important for whether you're a first-time filmmaker or a hundredth-time filmmaker, I think it's important to know that um, the struggles are going to be there, but to keep your eye on the sort of all the amazing things that are sort of swirling around um, the making of the film, and there's, there's going to be struggles, there's going to be problems, but um, as we see in this film, what a beautiful example of there's going to be a community of people that come around the film. You know, I've met meaningful um, friendships from the people that worked on the film. Um, you know, so it's it's just a, you've, you've sort of created this opportunity. And then, yes, you got it to a point where it just sort of turned into a thing that started to feed itself. But now you got people from all over the world jumping into the girl who wore freedom experience and they're seeing the film and they want to be part of more. And I think that's pretty cool because it went from, I guess, because I was there when we were talking about this, you know, before it was a thing and then now it is a thing and it's amazing to see it kind of do its thing. <laughs> so, yeah, it's so true. And I just, for our filmmakers out there that are listening to this podcast, and I hope there are, if you are out there, please send us a comment on iTunes or, or somewhere on our webpage just to let us know you're listening and you've been benefiting from our experiences. But I would say that it is so overwhelming. And at every chance along the way, there are horrible things that pop up where you think, I saw something the other day that was posted, a meme that was posted about the creative experience. Oh, this is an awesome idea. Oh my gosh, this is terrible. What am I doing? Hey, this starts to make a lot of sense. Oh my gosh, I suck. You know, <laughs> oh, you know, maybe this isn't so bad. Yeah. Well, you know, this is horrible, you know, and it just kind of goes on until, you know, this is amazing. And oh my gosh, we did it, you know, yeah. and it's, that's kind of the experience. And it's a wave that you really have to ride out if you believe in what you're doing. And, and I believe that every film can have a similar experience to ours if you are particularly passionate about the subject matter. And most people that do documentary films do them because they feel like there is a bigger message that they care about and they need to get out there. And they are creating their own community to sort of get this documentary to be done. So there are a lot of things that we have been doing that can be replicated no matter what the subject matter is. But the one quality that you have to have is a rock solid belief in what you're doing mm. and an absolute like dogged determination that you're going to see it through no matter what horrible obstacles you face. Yeah. And I think another quality just to add to that is you put a lot of value on the people that were helping you, you know, bootstrap this together and fund it and get it out the door. And I think that's a huge deal as well. Just appreciating the team around you. Um, I know as a composer, I've, I felt, even though I tried to quit on you, we've talked about that, but <laughs> I felt uh, valued and, uh, you know, a contributing member. And you always made me feel like um, 
that I was adding to the project and not just another, you know, guy in the wheel. Here. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that goes a long way as well. Um, so, well, you know, uh, let me just speak to that for one second, because I think this is another nugget that I would love for filmmakers to take away. I think everybody loves nuggets. Yes, they do, especially if they're chocolate. Uh, um, or chicken. Yeah, or chicken. So when I started out, I, I said I wanted to do production differently. Film production companies typically in the regular world chew up and spit out people on the team and they burn them out. There's a lot of backbiting and jealousy and jockeying for position. And, you know, there can be lying and backbiting and, you know, just burning people out and not valuing people. And you do it because you want to get experience and you, you know, you'll never work with these people again, probably, but still at least you get something out of it. And I, I hated that. I hated that model and I didn't want to design that kind of company. And so what my focus has been is truly how to build people up and give them a canvas on which to paint so that they could take what they've learned and go to the next step, whatever their next step may be. And I look at each person and I know that there is an opportunity in any film in which to learn new things, make new relationships create something for their resume or real. And I want them to walk away from our project feeling blessed by the people they met, feeling like they have grown in their career, feeling like they gave and participated in something that made a little bit of a difference in the world. And I would say when you are thinking about your team, carefully think about the people that you bring into the team and think about how you as a filmmaker or producer can enhance their life, make them a better creative and give them something to feel proud about. Uh, and then do everything in your power to squash any of that backbiting and competition and make sure you take care of your people, make sure they're fed well, make sure they are always hydrated, make sure that they have rest and they're not overworked, make sure they're valued and build in a way for people to know each other and encourage each other. And I think that has made a difference. I mean, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, if you look at the people that you've surrounded yourself with, they've all been great people for starters. Um, so you're a good judge of character, but they've also been, um, it's not like everyone that you've hired had to have a certain resume, you know, bucket list that you were looking for. Um, I had never done a film and you were willing to take a chance on me. I felt like it worked out pretty, pretty okay. And then worked out pretty great. And then uh, a lot of the social media people, you know, were kind of people that you knew or had met. Um, but they had never tried to promote a film or done this thing. So, um, you know, editors, things like that, you know, Bill probably had the most uh, sort of illustrious resume out of everyone on the team, but we were all sort of- He had never done a documentary though. And but, he had never had complete control of the edit. Yeah. Any, so he's worked on a lot of Kendrick Brothers things and he's worked on, you know, other stuff, a lot of other stuff. But in this situation, he was my equal. And I really knew he could take on a project like this and he could create it. I wanted to give him the canvas because I knew how creative he was and how much he needed total ownership of an edit. And, you know, that absolutely with you and with Bill, even with Jason, you know, giving you guys that opportunity was one of the best decisions I've ever made because you guys were just raring to go and you just needed to show it. Yeah. And that is true. I, I've given a lot of people chances that never did that before, but I saw the qualities in them that I knew they could handle it. And they had the character that would see it through. And I also brought on younger people. I wanted yes. to bring on people that we could uh, pour into, into and mentor um, so that they could have a positive first film experience, as opposed to just being a PA on the film that got stomped on and chewed up and spit out. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, I've, I appreciated that your approach to this film hasn't been, well, show me your resume and I'll see if it, uh, if it fits what I need. Um, because there's a lot of qualities to human beings that don't show up on resumes. And I feel like you've taken the time to find those qualities and, and, you know, highlight them or bring them out or give people a chance to shine. And I think 
um, the community of people that have worked on this film and contributed to this film, I think we're all better off for it, for your decision to sort of take chances on people, um, but also just how you sort of made sure that everybody um, had similar qualities. We were all compassionate, kind people. When we were filming in Normandy in, in 2018, um, there wasn't any drama or anything. Like I showed up, I met everybody and it was instant friendship. We were all hanging out. Um, so it was just cool that it was a smooth operation and not without its challenges, but from a personnel standpoint, everything was, you know, hunky-dory. Well, I would say, you know, I mean, and know you can remember back to this, there was some drama. There was some drama. It is not, not all been sunshine and roses, even within the team. And there were, uh, there was one person in particular that was brought, actually there were a couple that brought challenges into the protection team in Normandy and figuring out how to navigate those problems was something I was unused to, mm-hmm. was hard. Um, and that was equally as challenging as all of the positive and good relationships. And I don't know that I necessarily succeeded, but what I did do was then focus on the relationships that were working and eventually those people were separated from the project as, as painful as that was. Right. Um, but I really have aimed for there to be reconciliation, even in those relationships. Uh, and that has happened to a degree. So, um, you know, I don't want everybody to think it's sunshine and roses because it isn't. Um, but what I have learned is it is important to see through those difficult places and not just dispense with people. I did not want to ruin anyone's career or have them ruin mine or there be bad blood. And so even in those places where we disagree, I've worked hard for there to be some sort of reconciliation. And I think that's another thing I'd like people to take away. But I I thank you for your encouragement, Jeff. It is nice to hear from your perspective as a crew member, you know, how you feel. Yeah, I think a lot of that was shielded from you know at least me personally um i don't there wasn't like a the feeling of a toxic atmosphere um even if there was you know some issues happening um i don't i was made aware of it later but at the time i i wasn't really aware of it i was just you know eating sandwiches and hanging out with you guys and that was amazing those are some of the best sandwiches i've ever had in my life they sure were quiche and uh, chicken egg sandwiches oh, yeah man. it was great so good okay so the film has just so switching gears here the film's been on itunes for a while um how has the response been how do you feel like it's going i mean it looks like it's got a ton of reviews and uh but how's how's that process been having a film out on the itunes store and seeing it sort of sort of uh get these reviews and five stars. It's pretty cool. I have to tell you, to be honest, it's been a roller coaster ride. It has okay. been like everything else, a complete and utter education as I wake up every day. So what Are I have you checking learned, the charts every day? Just oh, to see every where... day. And not really? only every day, but many times a day. Minute by minute. Minute by minute. Um, and Hold on. I'm having to text my son who asked me if I want something from the grocery store. So oh, stand by. <laughs> sure. We all do. Um, okay. So um, I check it and I picked up my phone only to look at the iTunes store yet again today. Um, because what I have learned is that the iTunes charts are very volatile. They yes. are real-time feedback um, for what's going on in the iTunes store. And right now, this moment, uh, this is 1139 on Thursday, June 10th, we are 23rd. We are showing all five stars and 118 reviews. Now, yesterday, somebody gave us a three-star review because we had too many interviews and not enough on the ceremonies at Normandy, which I felt like was terrible review. But anyway, um, so we were down at 45. So actually today I was very excited to see oh, wow. 23. Uh, you want to stay in the top 20, but um, we were on D-Day at the end of D-Day, we were seven on iTunes. Yeah, I saw that. That was awesome. So it's just a, it's just a very big roller coaster ride. And what I'm told is it is dependent upon how many sales you have and how many stars you have and what the reviews are. So we did get a report from our distributor today 
And this is what they told me. So after the initial pre-sale, the film has done 375 units of business, mostly purchases at 307. The remainder are as rentals. The week it did bounce around at the best-selling chart now sitting at number 23. The Bitly link has been clicked and they created the Bitly link to track the sales and stuff. The Bitly link has been clicked 1,183 times. It's not bad. The vast majority are almost 1,100 in the United States and then in Canada and France. The US clicks are mostly in the Virginia, DC, Maryland area and then again in Texas. There are handfuls everywhere else. It's early and it's the early days, so keep on promoting. Now, we had hoped to sell 300 units by um, June 10th or June 11th. So tomorrow is our last day to track that. So that's great. We sold 375 units. Um, you know, it really would be best for us to even be in more and be in the top 20. Um, and so what we did do is we did have a strategy of having a few people buy um, $300 worth of of iTunes sales and gift them to other people. Oh, because okay. what I've learned is that's what producers do. That if they wanna keep their films up in the top of the charts, they're going through and making, you know, bulk purchases and reviewing, you know, getting people to review and rate their films. And so it's gamed a lot by the producers because they want them in the top 20. Um, other people, I learned that the, a thing called Pop Vortex this week reviews the top 20 films on iTunes, uh, and I guess they put out something every day. So you really, there are other places like that that review it as well. But the thing that I also discovered, because I bought my 30 films in one day, is that producers spread that out over time. Mm -hmm. So if your film is a military film, <laughs> You're going to spread that out for the week before and after 4th of July or Veterans Day or Memorial Day because you want your film rated near the top that people see it so that um, they will go and rent and buy Yeah, at, when they're looking for a military film. So there's a lot of gamemanship I'm learning in this world. Um <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Yeah, there is. I mean, it's not really limited to filmmaking. It's, it's everywhere. Yeah, it's everywhere. So it's no different here. And I've spent a lot of time. I mean, thankfully, the physical screenings are very helpful because yeah. I can tell everybody this need to go to iTunes, write us a review, rate us if you can buy, you know, buy it yourself, buy a gift for someone. And, you know, that will keep us up there because I don't have the money to continue buying things, you know, on iTunes. Um, <laughs> yeah. But but it is important for us to stay up there. But at some point, I just have to, I don't know, pray that God continues to keep us up there because and get the word out about it. It will start to self-perpetuate, I think, if we can stay in that top 20 and more people discover our film. And I think we'll have big bounces around um, all the patriotic holidays and veteran holidays sure. and stuff. So... Yeah. Yeah. I think that's great. Um, on June 5th, so the night before D-Day, um, my wife and I watched the film with some neighbors of ours who have been asking to see it for over a year now. They've been very excited. And, and um, so we bought the film. Um, we had them over and we watched it. And I've seen the film. Thank you for your know. help, by the way. Thank yeah, you yeah, for your help. Yeah, we bought, my wife and I each bought a copy. So it was two. <laughs> uh, but uh, I should buy, I have my kids buy one too, though. That's what I got to do. And my dog, and my cat. Yeah. I had, um, I had all mine buy them too. <laughs> but, uh, it was just amazing how I was amazed at how choked up I got. And I've seen the film, I don't know, dozens and dozens of times working on it. And, um, I still got choked up, but I think I was, you know how it is when someone new is in the room. That's how I feel like yeah. when I play music too. Like all of a sudden you're, you're listening to this piece of music through their ears in a way for the first yeah. time. And all of a sudden yeah. you're hypercritical of everything. And so all of a sudden they're in the room and they're watching it and I'm kind of watching it through their eyes in a weird way. And, um, and man, I was crying and they're crying and it was, it was great. So it's just, even after seeing it a bunch, it's still an emotionally powerful film and uh, we all loved it. So that was a great way to spend um, that weekend was, you know, celebrating that and we, we loved it. So um you Can I say one other thing I've learned about iTunes? Sure. Um, now it's kind of completely gone out of my head. Um, oh, this is it. 
So what I've learned is that, of course, our audience is older. I mean, you know, everywhere from probably 50 to 100, honestly. I mean, I've had people that are 100 years old watching it so, wow. and that have loved it. So, and I apologize for the lawnmower outside of my window, but it's nothing I can do about that. Um, so we've had this audience watch it. Well, when you tell them to go and watch it at home or share it with a friend on iTunes, what do you think happens? You know, you get this deer in the headlights. Uh, I'm sorry, I don't even have a phone or, you know, I don't even have never heard of Apple TV. Yeah. Um, and so, so that's kind of been a barrier for us um, because our distributor has only been able to get us on the transactional places like iTunes, um, unfortunately. And so there's really no way for them to watch it outside of iTunes or Apple TV in the United States. Uh, it's kind of the same in Canada. They're on Shaw Cable Company, which is like Comcast Cable in Canada. Um, but not a lot is happening in Canada. Most of the sales are going to be in the U.S. They have us on iTunes in Canada. They have us on uh, the Cineplex store in Canada. But there's just not a lot of traction up there, uh, you know, obviously. Um, and so we have had to think of a way to help people. And so we're going to try to come up with a way to help people watch the film and give them specific instructions of how to write a review and stuff like that. But yeah. ultimately, uh, I am telling people that I will sell and send you a DVD to your parents or grandparents' house so that they can watch it because otherwise there's no way for them to watch it. Right. So that's something that you really need to think about um, you know, when you're thinking about getting onto different platforms is, is your audience going to be able to access that platform? Yep. So anyway, all right. What was your next question? That's a great point. Well, you kind of touched on a little bit, but if um, you've talked before about going on iTunes and you mentioned other streaming services and now that we've been on iTunes for a while, what, what, what does that look like? Is there any news on how that film pushes out to other platforms? Well, that's all, that's all contingent upon the distributor. Um, and they're hopefully on the other end, pitching your film to broadcast cable, um, streaming platforms, and hopefully those pitches are successful and, and you get picked up on different streaming platforms so that more people have access to your film. The other thing that they do is they will release it on Hoopla, um, which Hoopla goes to all of the libraries all over the U.S. and Canada. And then the libraries, every time somebody rents it or watches it for free, the library pays a fee. And so we do get a very tiny profit from that. And then there is Canopy. Canopy is a process where universities and high schools can go and rent the film and show it in their classes and things like that. Um, so there are other revenue streams. We will eventually, um, right now I have some DVDs, but the distributor will eventually make DVDs, I hope as well. We have um, Fort Bragg, where the home of the 82nd Airborne is. They've reached out to us and they want to sell our book and the DVD in their stores. So, you know, that's that's exciting. Um, yeah. And we'll just have to see. Again, this is all new territory for me. So I'm learning as we go along. But that's what I know so far. Yeah. And now a certain amount of it is out, out of your hands, like you mentioned. Right? Totally. So um, you kind of made this thing and then you kind of have to gently pass it over yeah. and and hope for the best so that's got to be a little stressful yeah for sure um so take us through what's next what does what the next few weeks or months look like as far as any more film festivals or is that winding down or what what are things looking well, like? well we we still have 11 film festivals that we need to hear from so uh i can't believe we still have more left but i haven't been entering anymore for a while um so we'll see if we get into any more film festivals i don't know if i talked about this last week but we I don't remember when this happened, but we won the best documentary at the Nice International Film Festival. So that was super exciting. That's awesome. Yes. Yeah, that was very big. Um, and right now, uh, I will go home on Friday and probably collapse for a couple of days. That's tomorrow, isn't it? I have no idea. Um, I think it is. <laughs> and I'll start retooling. Um, right now, I'm in talks with Delta, Michelin, and L'Oreal about doing a Veterans Week screening um, and sort of they would all con connect 
to probably fly veterans or fly French people in from our film to these different events. And we would do a screening. The 82nd Airborne has a museum at Fort Bragg and it is, they are opening a Normandy D-Day exhibit at the museum. So it's a perfect companion piece to go along with that. So I'm excited about that opportunity. Um, Delta always does everything for veterans every D-Day. So I'm hoping that uh, we will be able to be a part of that. And um, Michelin wants to do something as well. You know, many people don't know, but uh, the GIs use the Michelin maps early on to get around France. And uh, so so they have, they played a part in World War II and they play a part in our film. So yeah. hopefully I'm going to negotiate a lot of those things. I did keep, keep theatrical rights, which has been a good thing for me because then I can really show this. We did have a theater group in Idaho reach out to us and ask if we could do a limited theatrical release in their theaters in Idaho. So we're working on that deal. Uh, I have been invited by the Glacier Bible Camp in August in Polson, Montana, to come out and screen the film and do a talk. Wow. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to that. And right now, that's going to be a lot of what happens with the Girl Who Wore Freedom. If people want to see the film or do an event, um, they will need to cover my transportation cost and probably pay a stipend to see the film. And, you know, I will go there and try to help put that event together. So I don't really know what the future will hold for the rest of this year, but we have July 4th coming up and we've got um, we've got Veterans Day as well. So so we'll see at um, in August or September. I'm really hoping to get over to Europe. I miss my French friends immensely. And I want to start researching for uh, the Brave Dutch. And so I'm going to spend a couple of weeks in the Netherlands uh, trying to discover more about my story, make those relationships and start down that, uh, that pathway. So. That's awesome. You know, every good franchise needs a trilogy. So you also got to be start thinking about the third movie. Oh, I already have. I have some stories uh, in Russia. So I'd love to tell some of the Russian stories of World War II. Um, so yeah, are you kidding me? I've got so many ideas right now. People, you know, people say, once you make a film, you'll have so many more opportunities. And I thought that meant, okay, well, people will hire me, you know, or a studio will hire me or whatever. Well, that has not at all been what's happened, but I've had people come to me, uh, consistently with, uh, I got a story for you. And, you know, I always tell them, hey, I'm ready to tell any story. It all has to be the story has to be mapped out and you have to have the money because I am not going to be raising any money. Yeah. Um, so there's that. And then one other thing I want to talk to people about is our Patreon has been launched and we already have three hundred and eight dollars in pledges. Wow, for that's our awesome. Patreon. So I now have to start uh, getting together the schedule of distributing all the perks and making those happen. And we still need, you know, our minimum goal is to raise $400 a month to kind of cover our bases with our expenses. But I really would like to make a little bit more because I would like to pay the people. I mean, Jason Hoban has been working on this podcast for over two years and I haven't paid him a thing. God bless you, Jason Hoban. Um, as well as Jason Rugg and uh, Josh Lindsay. So yeah. I really would uh, like to, to pay them something for their time and effort. And that's going to come from the Patreon contribution. So I want to give a shout out for our $250 a month patron who uh, I think if you keep up that donation for a year, you get a trip to Normandy next year. Oh, so wow. that's, that's a great level to come in with because we're going to go back next year and have a very big celebration over in France. So there's that. And that's awesome. We're still going to be pushing everybody to, you know, purchase us on, on iTunes. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, we've talked about it many times. It's a great story. It's a, there's, you know, it's just a lot of cool, amazing things happening within the film and so many great people involved with it. So why not take an opportunity to, um, to get involved, to support it and not only to help this film, but to help, uh, you guys make more films. Yeah, uh, you know, we really want to do the Brave Dutch. So yeah, so there's there's so many stories that I think could use your touch, what you bring to the film, and how you tell them. Um, so hopefully, people continue to be excited about the Girl War Freedom, and they bring that excitement to the Brave Dutch, and then the Brave Russian, and then the right. Brave whatever. <laughs> <laughs> 
who knows what's next? I don't know. But um, I would say we really appreciate our hardcore fans. And that's the people that are listening or watching this podcast right now. You encourage us, you keep us going. And I really, I really thank you a lot. If you get a moment, send me a note, Christian at normandystories.com. Leave us a, a comment on any of the platforms on which you listen to podcasts. Um, leave us, a, write us a review on iTunes. These are all small ways that you can support us. We're starting to use people's uh, reviews in our social media marketing. So uh, you may see your review pop up somewhere. And if you have any other suggestions, I got a great guy named Jim who listens to our podcast, who is constantly giving me ideas. He was the one that encouraged me to do the Patreon. He's the one that said, don't you dare name your next podcast documentary second. I think documentary (laughs) first is a bad title. (laughs) He's got some, he's got some ideas. Yes, he does. I'm so thankful for him. Um, I really like him a lot. I don't know what I will. If once we get to the brave Dutch, I'm not sure what I'll name that podcast, but I, I can guarantee you it will not be documentary second. (laughs) He was pretty, pretty strong opinion. That's amazing. Uh, I listen to people. Well, you probably need to get some sleep, uh, at least not today, but I got to get about my day for sure. Uh, Today I'm going home. Yeah. Tomorrow I'm going home today. I'm so excited. Um, I don't know if people know the actor, Mike Panuski, but all you need to do is look him up on IMDb and you will be like, oh yeah, I know that guy. I mean, he is a supporting actor in almost everything you've ever seen. He is a phenomenal uh, actor with a prolific career. And he lives here in the Atlanta, what am I saying? The Atlanta area with his wife, Jay. And I met them. They, um, they had a film right before mine at the Buford Film Festival. It was the very nice companion piece. And we are going to have them on the podcast at some point when we can get our schedules together. So I'm going to go and meet with them today and catch up with them and figure out when I can get them on the podcast. So that I'm looking forward to today. And then I fly home on Delta. Thank you, Delta. Tomorrow, uh, I will be back at home and I'll see my sweet family who's been without me now for three weeks. So I'm looking forward to that. Amazing. Amazing. Well, I'm sure everyone will be excited that uh, Josh and Jason will be back next time. Uh, Oh, this is great. You've done a great job. Thank you for letting me fill in, Christian. I appreciate it. And um, thank you all for listening to Documentary First, where we believe everyone has a story to tell and you could be the one to tell it. Yes, you can. Bye, everybody. Thank you for listening to Documentary First. We really appreciate your partnership with us. We can't do any of this without you. So thank you so much for listening, for donating, and for following along on our journey. If you are able to make a donation this week, we would really appreciate it. We are supported by donors who give us $100 or less, so anything helps. Also, if you're able to share the news about the girl who wore freedom with your friends and family, please do that on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, or email. And sign up for our newsletter at thegirlwhowarefreedom.com. Please go to thegirlwhowarefreedom.com slash donate to make a donation today.